y'all it's Delaney and it's Katie and this is Classically Black Podcast where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession with track beats playing in the background greetings from California right I forgot there was something I was planning on saying once we started the episode but I forgot what it was yeah YouTube busy trolling me so this is what you get so oh well that's not the first time you've choked and almost died on the show at, at your hands not at my hands that wasn't okay that hands. wasn't at your hands yeah okay <laughs> one is, time right this is this is take two because katie almost died <sighs> eating them cashews so cashews are the best nut i mean i don't really like nuts in general so not any of them like just to be eating oh pistachios i'll eat pistachios. and you like sunflower seeds oh those are seeds yeah. literally said <laughs> <laughs> Sunflower nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Pistachios are good, expensive for no reason. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, classically nut podcast. All right. Oh, we could we could do that like how Chris and Kid Fury have like the hot tops they change every episode. I'm not creative enough for that. <laughs> when he said, <laughs> when he said, hot tops. <laughs> Hot tops, honey. I drank the kid. <laughs> that is truly disgusting. That was not okay. <sighs> we don't deserve him. I, I didn't deserve that to happen to me. You hear that? That was at least maybe a couple months ago. No, I remember they were talking about it, and I was just like, "We don't deserve Kid Fury. Yes. He's amazing. If you don't listen to the read, girl, right." Oh yeah, the read came out with the show. How was it, Katie? You have news this week. <laughs> oh yeah, we said twenty minute episode. Okay. Um, just following up and Sophie Mooter, we're not gonna talk about this for thirty minutes like we did last week. But um she quote broke her silence on um the whole situation. Girl, I think you dragged that poor little girl. Right. Um, but she was just saying how like she felt violated and all that. I don't know, I'll link something. You felt violated for someone recording you? Playing in public in the year of the Instagram and Snapchat. I just one thing I just want to say on this, but since it's like a follow up, is that like y'all are so extra. Like some of the stuff people were saying online. Like one dude was like, and, and getting kicked out wasn't enough. She should have had fifty lashes from Anne Sophie Mooter's bow. And I was just like, fifty lashes for recording at a concert, like. <laughs> I have no comment on that one. Like, what? And then one dude... She's the one who needs to lash in. Why would you embarrass somebody and then have the CEO or whomever escort that person out? And when you literally could have just told them not sure, sis. That's what they're there for. But, um... And then someone else was like, I apologize to you, Maestro Beethoven. For I was like, you literally... You're giving a Facebook apology to Beethoven. Never mind, I'm gonna say something so trifling. Like what? <laughs> Can't hear it no way. It, right, I was just about to say. <laughs> and the first thing we said about Beethoven. No, no, no. The first thing that you have said, I have said nothing. He's not gonna be haunting me. <laughs> you dragged him. If he was going to hunt me, he would have done it by now. <laughs> With the German accent. Right. So. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, people are being really, really extra about that and making it seem like she freaking went up there and smacked the violin at her hand. <laughs> like. <laughs> even look like girl. you hopped up on st- oh, girl <laughs> wow um in other news another follow-up a couple weeks ago we talked about Placido <laughs> Domingo's um uh, accusations or the accusations against him um well he's since oh, uh, he denied them yeah and he was like I would never and like yeah. all of that but you did so right <laughs> and um yeah, he said so. I forgot what he said, but it Doesn't was something matter. ridiculous. Yeah, something. And but since then, he's resigned from the LA Opera. Quote with a heavy heart. That's <laughs> no. why we keep our hands to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Your heart wouldn't have to be so heavy. Um, he resigned before they made him step down. They probably made him resign. Maybe. Um, he was the general director of Los Angeles Opera. Um, he also withdrew from feature performances. No, they withdrew him. Um. 
He said, quote, recent accusations that have been made against me in the press have created an atmosphere in which my ability to serve this company that I lo- that I so love has been compromised. While I continue to work to clear my name, I have decided that it is in the best interest of the L.A. Opera for me to resign as its general director and withdraw from my future scheduled performances at this time. I do so with a heavy heart and at the same time wish to convey to the company's dedicated board and hardworking staff my deepest wishes that the L.A. Opera continue to grow and excel. It will. They uh, will. Without you. Yeah. So Probably more now that people aren't <laughs> uncomfortable at work. Um. Right. Um. They responded by thanking him. Oh. So <laughs> you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Classical musicians are petty. You had to thank him. No, but they thanked him like for his like service. I guess. Oh, yeah. Not oh. like not like thanks for leaving. <laughs> finally. <laughs> no, they told him. Ooh. They called him the driving force behind the creation and growth of the LA Opera, and they credited him for cultural contributions to the city. That were quote unprecedented and profound. Well, that's all very nice, but you can keep your hands to yourself. So right. So um, he also withdrew from um, Macbeth at the Met, and Dang, yeah, and be a big check too. Right. You messed up. <laughs> I was surprised he was even still performing. I mean, we we went over this last time we talked about the oh, yeah. seventy eight. Yes, time anyway. <laughs> right. So um, Dang, he fumbled the bag at the Met. <laughs> right i mean he was huge because if, if what's that dude the other problematic one if he's getting you said 50k for performance what he get in and you gotta do rehearsals and shit that's true yeah you fumble the bag and he's the general director of the la opera like he's a millionaire so <laughs> you been downsized that house girl i'm tired okay <laughs> how you gonna pay for it maybe i'll move back to spain yeah, they probably don't care. Because people in Europe, yeah, people don't in Europe don't be caring about stuff. Like they be still with the blackface stuff. They don't care. He, I I think was he the one? Yeah, because they replaced him with Audrey McDonald for that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then, but no one in Europe canceled any of his stuff. It was all the stuff here. Yeah, that, be so fine. yeah, he'll be fine. He'll have a, a, a very a successful career. career. Yeah, yeah. In a far better country. <laughs> Um. Lastly, um, we zoom in. Okay. Right. Period. Exactly. <laughs> Period. Period. <laughs> um. Lastly, the Metropolitan Opera. Speaking of them, um, is programming their first black composer. Um. On the, the first. The first one. And guess what? In how many years? In one hundred and thirty-six year history of the Met. They are staging their first opera by a black composer. You are freaking lying. <laughs> when was they? When, when was they? When was they founded? One hundred thirty-six years ago. Eighteen? No, that's Carnegie Hall. Never mind. They can't be that early. The Met. They can't be. How long were they around? Maybe you're right. Late eighteen hundreds. What's two thousand nineteen minus oh, one hundred thirty-six? Right. Now you know I can't do that. <laughs> but my calculator can. My calculator. <laughs> I've never been able to say that word. I probably say when you say it fast, like calculator. Calculator. <laughs> I ain't saying that you for what? Yeah, 1880. That's embarrassing. <laughs> right. It's like they probably tried to sneak it in now. The thing wasn't nobody going to notice. We noticed. We noticed. Like, just like we know. Never mind. What? So that you said that they had. What were you going to say? You said that they had. What were you going to say? The thing. What were you going to say? Just read what you just have. Like we noticed what? Can you please read what you have? Just what? I really want to go to brunch just after this. Be- and you're kind of like. Brunch? Yes. It's actually going to be. <gasps> It's gonna be brunch time when we done. Oh, cute! Oh, I didn't bring no brunch fit. That's okay. We can still, we'll still we will still go. How do you not like brunch? I like lunch. Okay, you can get lunch stuff at brunch. Brunch is a lifestyle. Anyway, and you're in LA. That don't make sense. You got to get into it. Anyway, <laughs> um. The Met is presenting an opera called Fire Shut Up in My Bones by uh, Terrence Blanker. Just like fire. You know that song? Shut up in my bones. Like Jeremiah. Like Jeremiah. Who wrote that? I'm looking at it. Um, by uh, Ter- Terrence Blanker, who's a uh, jazz trumpeter. Ain't no way you. Ain't no way y'all had an usher song, but you don't know. You don't know that song, huh? Ain't no way your church had an usher song. You ain't know that song. We had the usher song. 
<laughs> Dog got that freaking walk. Spirits got me so I can't see. I thought we were zooming. I was flabbergasted that you don't know this song. Okay, go keep going, keep going. Um Yeah, so obviously we all know that they've been doing Porgy and Bass, which has been the most performed opera of like with an African American cast or written about the African American experience. How how did they do that opera before they were ignoring black people? Blackface probably mm. um starting that one girl or from just that one country ignoring um right just, just or just ignoring <laughs> george gershman's wishes because they all about what the composer said this and we gotta honor the composer until until, until, until some black Bass. stuff yep. yeah yeah <laughs> we all it's all about honoring the composer's wishes until we get porky and bass and george gershman said you must have a, a black all black cast and now all of a sudden well he really didn't mean yeah, that you know like he did now so right he really didn't he didn't know what he was talking about and like, it's really about the music mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah so basically they have been in talks for months with the opera theater of st louis um about giving the premiere uh, before or about bringing it to new york which they finally did which i just i'm excited for him mm-hmm. i'm disappointed in them because like 136 years. especially like there was there were like uh william grant still wrote operas like there are people writing operas that y'all just was like nah we, we good on that right you couldn't even put on the small stage sis right um so of course you know black people bring blackness to everything they do <laughs> So there's like gospel choruses, um, um, some influences from like blues. So, you know, I'm not like a, a singing person, but I mean, I would go see this. I want to see. I just want to see some porgy and bass. Let me talk about that actually. Um, but now they're saying that after this, there will be quote there will be many more African American composers whose work we feature. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Let's just see you do it. We don't need a right. We've been we've been through this before with this country about promises that we want to follow right. through. So, all right, the mission. <clears throat> okay, so I was on IG and I saw this post of about uh, let me pull it up with my notes. Yeah, bad period. Okay, okay. Um, I saw a post on IG that was name some name a restaurant that's trash that everybody gasses up, and I was like, okay, cool, let's do this on classically black. So I have food, a restaurant, a piece for your instrument, a piece for orchestra, <clears throat> excuse me, and a composer. So name some name a food, Delaney, that everyone gasses that you think is trash. Okay, so I mean I've said one before that people had something to say about which was sweet potato fries, but I'm gonna do a different one this time. Mine is gonna be shellfish, or just do that count though? But okay, I'm <laughs> allergic to shellfish. However, there are people who are allergic to it that still like it. I I have tasted it, and I don't like it. Oh, either. you don't like it? No, I think first of all, I want to meet the person who saw a crab and was like, "Oh, that looked good." <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they figured that out. Like, <laughs> how did y'all figure that out? There, first of all, like, and you know, I'm a, I'm picky with like like it's the way it looks the way it smells mm-hmm. the texture all of that they're creepy crabs and lobsters especially the ones that are like that the girls really be eating like not even like the blue shell crabs that like yeah those ones the one with the, the king crab king crab they be all spiky i'm like this looks like a hard spider like <laughs> <laughs> why are you eating this <clears throat> and i'm not and, and the thing is like people who like seafood like ride for seafood yeah like people be acting like it's like god literally placed it on your plate yeah <laughs> the girls love especially like now juicy crab is a thing where you get the the, the crab boil in a bag have you seen those mm-hmm. that the girls love that i've watched you know me mukbangs i watched in the past couple of months when that's what they eat in the concepts sound good me. i used to also love crab but it's also too much work for what you get mm that's true you get the little bitty little that's why like, the girls be doing uh the king crab because you get more meat mm-hmm. that whole thing is just really gross to me but i was watching one of my <clears throat> one of the vlog channels i, I uh subscribe to on youtube and she <clears throat> what is going on with me 
But she opened the vlog and she was eating a lobster tail and she held it up. I'm like, that looks like a roach. <laughs> I was like, I never realized it. And I'm like, listen, I'm not that kind of vegan that's gonna come for y'all food. Like I can acknowledge stuff that tastes good, like, but like it just looked nasty. It do look nasty. And like even other stuff, like I went to at my job, we went to this like coastal Mexican restaurant and I was like, Oh my god, that place slaps. I was surprised. What? What'd you get? They had okay, they had something I'm gonna mimic. They have this like cauliflower taco, but they which I don't love cauliflower, but like it was really good. It had like a curry on it. It was like bomb and their um sauces are very good Mm. and they have their guac is like it better be. It's (laughs) really good and they season their chips. With like that red, mm, they do, and they beat. Yeah, they put their foot over there. They, yeah. they do the thing over there. Yeah. Well, we went there and they ordered <laughs> mussels. I used to like mussels. I didn't love them, but I used to like them. I never had them, but I was like, that looks like snot. Like mussels. <laughs> like mussels don't look like snot. They're not, the little um. Not mussels. Not mussels. Oysters. Yeah, I've never tried. Whatever is the one that you you have to drink. Yeah, yeah, that one. You see, y'all don't even know what y'all be eating. Not y'all, not you. But. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but like, I've never tried an oyster. It's too late now. Mussels also look gross to me. They be in the little clip, clip, clip. <laughs> not the clip, clip, clip. And then you got oh, it's my. like a little, like a little meat pocket in there. That's eh. I can't do it. Mussels are good. And you, that, and you cook and them I with I white never wine. You wouldn't try them often. No. You really wouldn't try? No. Really? And I don't know if I would get sick. Oh, wait. You can't try it. Yeah. You cannot. But the thing is, I don't get sick when I eat clam. You be having clam chowder and stuff? I've had clam chowder multiple times. I don't get sick. Is Only that a show? I know for... Yeah, I don't know if that counts. Only thing I... I definitely get sick. I can't eat lobster. I can't eat crab. I can't eat shrimp. I've had all three of them and found out the hard way. Wow. So... <laughs> like when I was younger. hmm So... <clears throat> anyway, that's mine. Mine, I have two. The first one, like by far, is freaking celery. Celery is the worst invention that had that, the worst. The worst. Okay, the firearm. What? It's the worst invention ever. Yes. Okay, firearms meaning nothing to you. Firearms. Guns. I mean, guns have their purpose. They don't use them well here. Okay, <laughs> but. Celery has its purpose too. Yeah, it should stay in okay. the ground. Celery is gross. It, there's okay. First of all, raw celery is is not as bad. I mean, it's still terrible. But cooked celery, celery destroys every dish that it's in because you could just taste it immediately. It's like I could be like, it just, it'd be like, it'd be all the way water. in the back, and I'd be like, what's that? It's celery. Like it's terrible. Celery is gross. Like wow. I can't believe it. it okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, you know, I tried. Okay. When I used to eat, um, when I used to eat chicken wings and it comes with celery, you know, I tried to eat it at the end. No, girl. Vegan chicken wings, they come with celery too. No, sis. Like, it's terrible. Celery is gross. Okay. Honorable mention eggplant wow what a oh, terrible God. vegetable and eggplant i try weird as heck and as a vegan there's certain vegetables that the girls stand i try like i finally threw my hands up with eggplant over the summer like it's terrible and people love eggplant it's so weird i will say the only way i would eat eggplant in baba ganoush baba ganoush is Amazing. You know, kind of stuff. I don't be knowing hummus could about. never like baba ganoush. You have to try it. It's like smoky. It's it has eggplant in it, but it's like not recognized. It's so I have to get some. It's so good. Like I'm when I get back to Rochester, that's the first. I'm going to my little Israeli place. Um, that's it. Like eggplant, I've tried it. I've tried it so many ways, especially being vegan, currying it, roasting it. A lot of times you put it with squash and you roast it in the oven. It's nasty. It's just a lot. I forgot what else you were being dramatic about saying that was the worst thing. And I was like, okay, genocide. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So Katie would rather genocide over celery. Hashtag. Yep. Hashtag Katie preferences. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Give me a restaurant that everyone thinks is trash that everyone gasses that you think is trash. I think Fat Burger is gross. 
And I mean, I don't know where fat burgers are. Like, I'm not eating no place called Fat Burger. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so I don't know if other people are gonna have like, or if it's gonna be relatable for anyone else. But I really think it's an LA thing. Okay, because I don't know. At least a California thing. Yeah, I don't know because. Yeah, because Cremaine likes Fat Burger. Yeah. And he'll tell me, like, oh, yeah, and I went to Fat Burger when I was in L.A. And I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Fat Burger, my biggest issue with it is that it's wet. Like, I can have nothing on my burger that is wet, and my burger is wet. Like, <laughs> How? Because it's greasy? It's probably grease. They probably don't dry off their lettuce. Oh, like, see. It's just, it's, I'm like, is this a <laughs> burger or a soup? Like, uh. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do it with Fat Burger. I can't do it. I'm super good. Okay, my restaurant is Moe's. Moe's is terrible. <laughs> like, okay, Qdoba, Chipotle, whatever. Do you, do you, especially like now that Chipotle has queso, I think they kind of squashed that. It's like, you got to just go to, because at first it was like, one didn't have the other thing. So if you want a queso, you go to Qdoba. But Moe's is just terrible. It's not seasoned. It's like, it's bland. It's like you might as well microwave it. I think they microwave it over there. That's what they have to be doing. Um, okay, moving along. A piece for your instrument that everybody gasses that you think is trash. Okay, this one was hard because nobody really gasses any okay. <laughs> pictures. Like pictures, okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> any of the pieces for my instrument? Because one, we don't have any. And two, um most most bass players think that all our concertos are terrible anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's wow. like like um but i picked the Dittersdorf concerto i don't think it's trash but i have a bone to pick with it because i can't play it so (laughs) (laughs) it plays me but that's true for everything so anyway everything's hard everything is hard yeah it's very true um a piece yeah mr taylor speaking of everything is hard people are like no we're good mr taylor does this thing at the beginning of every year where he will make you he calls people up who want to who for twenty dollars if you can play twinkle twinkle perfectly in tune you get twenty dollars easy right no it's hard no. <laughs> especially like open a open d open a first finger b that first finger b can go anywhere <laughs> okay. right and then okay I, i've i think the furthest i've made it was to first finger like da da dee da dee da dum and then he let me go again da da dee da dee da dum and da 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 and the class was like nope because <laughs> okay <laughs> because Mr. Taylor was like uh, going like that because like I practiced a lot of like dropping that third finger G but and first finger opening the hand to get that first finger in soon you are incredulous <laughs> but um yeah Okay, my piece is a Penderecki viola condensa. This piece is terrible. It's like virtuosic or whatever, but I have a physical reaction to it. Like my nervous system goes crazy. I have no idea what it is. That's the same thing for his piece, Hiroshima, whatever, the voices from whatever piece that he wrote. Same thing. Like my body does not, I don't know. Like it's weird. I can't describe it, but this piece is terrible. Okay. And it's long. Not terrible. This girl played in the studio and I was like, Oh hell no! It's supposed to be twenty minutes. It is. Like I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm not gonna go to the bathroom. Like it, was, <laughs> like it was bad. Okay, uh, give me a piece for orchestra that people guess. Farindole. Oh, I made it. I made it clear over. There. I don't have to get into this. I hate the piece. It's terrible. I have a visceral reaction to it. Farindole. It's so cute. You got a piece? Um. Check four. I'm confused. Dang, trash. Okay, it's not trash. Oh, okay, it's, it's not like, trash. Cause some dude on Facebook was like, like I get the early symphonies aren't great, like or whatever. Say what you want about his early symphonies, but, but they were like, trash. yeah. I was like, who are you? This is Tchaikovsky. Like, yeah, especially like I can acknowledge that the first one. There's some moments in that one. Also, the second one. But they're like, they're trash. I'm, I'm like, like, they're not okay, trash. Well, meanwhile, you're nobody. First of all, there's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing that. Ch- there's nothing that Tchaikovsky wrote that was trash. Yeah, maybe, maybe that opera, but okay. um, was it an opera? Yeah, it was an opera. Eugene Ormandy. Better not gonna do so. All right. I mean, I don't have nothing to say. Can I write anything without parallel fifths? <laughs> we'll see. Okay, last one. Composer. I said I don't think this composer is trash because there's like 
a piece or two that I like by them, mm-hmm. but I, I was just trying not to do like WC or Copeland because mm-hmm. we already know how I feel we, about them. We will not take our feet off their necks. Right. So I picked Vivaldi. Really? Yeah. I what I will say I do like that double cello concerto that goes. I mean, we, honestly, if you hear one Vivaldi, thank you for them all. Because the nature of his writing, he was kind of like a Hondo. No, not Hondo. What's the other one? Hayden. Where he was just writing stuff because he had a bunch of. He was like working at Orphan. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, mine is Vabern. I don't think Vabern's trash. I just like the girls like him way too much. I don't know nobody who likes him. I don't know nobody who dislikes him either. Like, I just feel like it's y'all give him too much. Like it's just vape it don't make ugh. Okay. But um I'll give it to Sean Break before I gave I'll give it to Vapor on on any day. Okay. On Sean Break's worst day. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let us know what you think. Oh maybe I thought this on IG. I don't know. Okay. And we're moving on. Okay, so this week we are talking about the late but great Jesse Norman. Um wow, we lost another we lost another one. Like people are really leaving us here by ourselves in this country <laughs> but um yeah we wanted to pay a tribute to her and acknowledge her greatness like yo her career is insane and we'd be remiss if we didn't um speak I was about literally that. just about to say that like, the exact same wording i was gonna be yeah we would be remiss if we didn't what? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because i joked about us doing this in unison so <laughs> you imagine <laughs> Because we were like, so how are we supposed to split up her illustrious career between the two of us? And I was like, well, we, I could just do the whole thing in unison. Okay, you ready? Here we go. All right. So. so. <laughs> no. <laughs> but literally on Classical Black Podcast, how could we not? Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, the thing that's weird about her, I mean, besides the fact that she's black, which is obviously, like, a crown, is the fact that, like, she's just illustrious. Like, just her voice, her life, and her legacy is incredible so we thought we would highlight that today um and then share some of our favorite uh pieces of music or her her works um with you um so yeah so jesse may norman was born on september 15th 1945 in augusta georgia um she's one of five children one of which we know some of you may know because um he's on the board for gateways and he was really active in the festival of this year um her mother and grandmother are both pianists and her father sang in the local choir so that's important because i feel like when your parents people around you are musicians like it kind of helps you get going because her mother put her in piano lessons at an early age um and then by the age of seven you know when you grew up in the church and stuff she'd been singing so by the age of seven she entered her first vocal competition and she got third place because of a memory slip and she was like after that i never had another one and i was like i can't relate right (laughs) (laughs) she was like i've never had another one publicly i'm like imagine being that great right like i could i could have fathomed i'll be like well we'll see right so meanwhile i could recompose my entire box all right so yeah i'm so sick of you saying that you did not (laughs) okay i didn't but the jig was a wild ride okay it's a dance okay anyway back to this <laughs> um she discovered opera after be giving being given a radio for her ninth birthday so she would uh listen to the met um on saturday mornings and she was like oh i really might could well, i might could take everybody's career so yeah and that she did foreshadowing <laughs> um at the age of 16 she entered the anderson vocal competition in philadelphia she didn't win but she got a full scholarship to howard h you you know i don't even go to howard <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> or went or will go <laughs> but i got a howard sweatshirt so that's enough close enough um after howard she attended peabody first and then went to the university of michigan where she got her master's in vocal performance after that it was like around this time it was like 1968 roundabouts does that make sense mathematically we're not gonna count on me for math but around is <laughs> around that time after she got her master's she moved to europe to establish her career because she couldn't do it here right. so um she moved to europe to establish her career um and after she after moving there she won the ard international music competition in munich and actually when she did this competition she had to fight one of the judges not like square up but I like mean. <laughs> i mean he could take that too right he could get the smoke um <laughs> but 
they he arbitrarily like changed the rules in the second round. It was like ma- racially motivated. And she was like, "Are you for real?" Right. I'm like, first of all, I sing better than everybody here. I sing better than everybody that will be here. Right. So and no one could ever. Right. And yeah. ever will. You keep changing the rules, but you can't change everybody's voice to be better than mine. So. <laughs> And she ended up winning, so it worked. It worked out for her. Um, the very next year, she um, began a three-year contract with the Dutch Opera in Berlin. Um, she provide, uh, performed. Okay, Katie, get together. She performed a variety of German and Italian with a, a variety of German and Italian opera companies. Like I'm really like you gotta read because honestly, it's like her bio is like a CV. Right. It's like every like, it, it, but everything is amazing. It's not like she worked at like her Meemaw summer camp okay. in the summer. <laughs> you know, like everything is like, wow. I mean, you know, you can relax. I can't. Um, but some of her highlights include um her Italian debut in Florence at in Handel S in Handel's Deborah is Deborah because she black. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, as Handel's Deborah, um, and then in 1972, she made her La Scala debut as Aida, um, Sans Blackface. Right, how so. easy that was. Mm-hmm. Um, the same year, Norman was Aida again in the concert version, um, at the Hollywood Bowl to celebrate their 50th anniversary. Um, and then she continued to throw to tour Europe throughout the 1970s, giving recitals, um. She didn't do a whole lot of opera stuff after that until she made her uh, U.S. debut. Right. Um. So she made her U.S. debut, her operatic debut, because we were we were sitting here confused. Like, hold up. Yeah, because she was doing recitals and stuff and <laughs> other stuff. We were not gonna mention. Like, girl, we're not mentioning that Wagner thing you did. <laughs> <laughs> not here. Not on this here podcast. No, okay. <laughs> she said. Um. She said she made her operatic <laughs> debut. In 1982, with the Opera Company of Philadelphia. Um, what else? Um, <laughs> I hate you with that. <laughs> what are we talking about now? Um, and then she followed that in 1983 with her first performance with the Met, um, appearing as both uh, Cassandra and Ditto, Dido, Dido, Dido. I love that though because she, she used to listen to the Met, and then like now you, I love stuff like that. That is so cute to me. I'm, you know what I try to, you know what from now I'm not saying the names of nothing because I can't pronounce none of these European <laughs> things. I'm like my best bet is German, but other than German, French pronunciation is way over my head. But you used that French came right out to troll me earlier, huh? What what I say? I'm not gonna remind you. What what did I say? Oh, <laughs> I remember what I said. Okay, um, this is not about this. Um. <laughs> Um, but she performed in 1983 with the Met um, for, a produ- for a production that marked their 100th anniversary season. Um, and, you know, 36 years later, they played their first opera by a black composer. So, long overdue. Um, in 1986, she sang um, at Queen Elizabeth II's 60th birthday celebration. Imagine that's the town that you booked. Right. Like, like what? <laughs> what a party. <laughs> What a celebration. Um, she's also, of course, released numerous um, award-winning recordings. Um, she's had a lot of her um, a lot of her performances televised and broadcast. Um, and in addition to opera, like you said, she did a lot of recitals, but she um, had a, like a wide breadth of repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, art songs, leader oratorios. Um, she did a lot of orchestral works. Um, she also performed at our boot Tchaikovsky's 150th birthday gala. Which, hey, boo. Imagine being invited to that. Right. Tchaikovsky's birthday gala. Like, you might could be invited to the 200th one. Right. Maybe. <laughs> if they want to drive there. Right. We'll spring the whole time. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> like, they're probably like, actually, by no means. But if they want someone to gas that 5th and 6th symphony. Who else you gonna hire? Right. Um, she also in nineteen ninety four sang at the funeral of First Lady um Jackie O Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Um, she's been featured as a soloist in the New York Philharmonic, um, of course, more than Met. 
she performed at the 1996 Summer Olympics. Like, um, also the second inauguration of Bill Clinton. Um, numerous uh, American orchestras, Boston Symphony. Um, she also performed at Carnegie Hall with um, a program that featured compositions by Duke Ellington, who is often overlooked as a school composer. Yeah, often overlooked. Yeah. And we actually just, the LA Field just played one of his pieces um, on in concert, so. And again, the LFA, LA, okay. Okay. <laughs> was that? <laughs> <laughs> yet again. And you see, like, how, like, it was stopped, and I'm still going to say it. I said, yet again, the LA Field, the only people doing it right. So. They didn't just slap Florence Price on because the girls were on the next, like everybody else. Right. Um, she also performed um, at the site of the former World Trade Center as a memorial mm-hmm. to the victims of 9-11. Um, she, I'm not going to say what song she performed. Cause, but um, And then in 2002, she announced that she would be funding a pilot school um, that opened in 2003, the mm-hmm. Jesse Norman School of the Arts. Um, which offered tuition-free performing arts uh, after-school after-school education mm-hmm. um, for economically disadvantaged students in her hometown of Augusta, Georgia. I mean, just like girl, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> what do we say about somebody? Like, I mean, you'll never be as good as me, but I mean, <laughs> she can really say that. Like you, like you, who will? Right. So, but I'll give you the tools to at least try. You know, yeah. Um, she served on the boards of Carnegie Hall, uh, the New York Public Library, the New York Botanical Gardens. Oh, I love that! Right, the Mill on Wheels in New York City, Dance Theater of Harlem, National Music Foundation, the Elton John's Aid Foundation. Um, she was on the board of trustees of Payne College and the Augusta Opera Association. Yet again, giving uh, back to her hometown. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, in 2009, she curated the Honor Festival, which we'll talk about a little bit more um, later. Um, and in 2018, she became the 12th recipient of the Glenn Gould Prize uh, for her contribution to opera and the arts. Um, and on September 30th of this year, um, she died at age 74. But um, her school and yeah, really. Um, but the school that she opened and um, her getting this this prize and being recognized for all the contributions she made is her legacy. And obviously, we ain't forget her. No time. So, cause who else is doing it better? Who? Who? Whom? Whomst? (laughs) (laughs) Whom stuff? Okay. So, um. else so um there are a couple of pieces that there are a couple pieces that um she's really well known for and prefer performing um and I'm gonna highlight just two of them but if you're not familiar with Jesse Norman or you're not familiar with her work which is okay take a listen look her up okay so my first introduction to Jesse Norman was in a history class at Illinois State University. Um, we were talking about Purcell. I hate saying Purcell. Um, and one of his operas, and they he, the teacher played this um, aria, When I Am Laid in the Earth, and I was like, wow. Like, I have to know who this is. And um, literally, I know uh, when I looked her up that she was literally a god on earth. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit of that.
hands down one of my favorite arias period like it's so sad like and that's also like it's she's singing like when i'm laid in the earth and it's like man um <clears throat> second is i love me i don't love the habanera to be honest however really when the blacks sing it because the blacks add a little sprinkle right. it really be do it really do be spicy like um i said it really be do <laughs> <laughs> like listen to this version of her habanera this is on her album jesse norman roots my life my song she knows she's sickening was my two you got the win all right um so i'm going to be talking about um her honor festival um it was it it occurred on march 4th through 23rd of 2009 which jesus that's a long time what march 4th through march 23rd Oh shoot! That's a long that is time. A long. Yeah. Um. It was called Honor, a celebration of the African American cultural legacy, curated by Jesse Norman. Period. Like, okay. So this was a festival that took place in New York City. It was um a couple of partners in the city. And like, like it says, it's a celebration of the cultural legacy of um that African Americans have. Uh left behind and there were a lot of different guests and performers there and i'll read to you what the way she described it herself Mm -hmm. um it says from the drumbeats of mother africa to the work songs and spirituals created in new land a path is traced to the blues gospel jazz rhythm and blues soul and hip-hop expressions of african americans that are celebrated throughout the world the classical music performers have become icons of concert halls and opera stages everywhere in charting the story of this great uh, cultural tradition, I invite you on a personal journey that honors the trailblazers and the courageous artists of the past through concerts, recitals, lectures, panel discussions, and exhibitions hosted by Carnegie Hall, the Apollo Theater, the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, and other sites around the city. This vast cultural fabric of African-American experience consists not only of the music, but also the words, the images, and the dances of a people, all providing rich fulfillment of the Langston Hughes credo, hold fast to dreams. Well, okay, the thing I like that amazed me when I was reading about this mm-hmm. was that as a classical, a classically trained singer, she brought together so many different aspects of black culture into yeah. this one festival like mm-hmm. like not only did you like we like you said in her when we were going through her life and her early life that she started singing in the church yeah she brought in gospel she brought in jazz she brought in hip-hop uh r&b uh, soul funk like mm-hmm. all these different genres of music that that have been created um by black people and carried by black people and then didn't just leave it there at music she was also like well we're gonna have some dancing here we're gonna have panel discussions yeah. we're gonna have literature we're gonna have yeah. art like and you could tell that basically also like in the the, the um the boards she served on like when you said mm-hmm. botanical gardens and like the library i was like i love that like it's not music is not this one thing you exactly know? And, and like the <laughs> fact that 
she recognized that like there are so many different art forms that black people are in and especially like being as someone that's in an art form that not a lot of black people are represented in especially not in the time when she was you know on the rise because she's Mm -hmm. one of the people that we think of today as like a trailblazer yeah like to be like well i'm going to combine all these different art forms and um and all these different partners like i'll read all the partners that she had was the Apollo Theater, um, the Cathedral Church of St. John the Divine, uh, CUNY, the Graduate Center, um, Harlem Stage, Kingsboro Community College, Performing Arts Center, Langston Hughes Community Library and Cultural Center, the Queens Public Library, mm-hmm. New York Public Library for Performing Arts in Schomburg, Schomburg Center mm-hmm. no, you're right. for research of black, in black culture. I'm just... I was amazed. And she also had a um, educational aspect where she had the um, youth programs from Carnegie Hall mm-hmm. and um, the Perelman American Roots and the, and a neighborhood concert series. Mm-hmm. Um, that, oh, shoot. Yeah. That was focusing on um, um, students who, um, who were interested in the arts in high school and middle school, um, especially people who were in performing arts classes, choral classes, and in social studies, Mm -hmm. because you also had a lot of history going on here. So I thought that was amazing. And I also just want to highlight, like, a couple of the the artists that she had there, like mm-hmm. Maya Angelou was there. Mm-hmm. Like, what the heck? Imani Wins was there. Period. <laughs> <laughs> gang, gang. Like, Ron Carter was there. Terrence Blanker, the guy who wrote the opera that mm-hmm. the Met took 136 years to <laughs> program. <laughs> um, Ducky Fresh was there. Freaking um, Anthony Hamilton. Like, Aww. there's so many different, like, it's something for everybody right, over here. Like right. Toni Morrison was there. And Toni Morrison, she has a really beautiful quote. I'm going to find it. Basically, like every time I hear your voice, like I, it brings me to tears, but like not in, in sorrow, but like at peace. It was like, it's really, really beautiful. Like, I think they were like, they were buddy, buddy. Mm-hmm. And you know who else? Ollie Wilson was there. Aww. Um, Esperanza Spaulding was there. Like oh, she's sickening. I, like she had just the vast, uh, majority like the vast uh what am i trying to say the the vast gamut of people i'm just <clears throat> looking at this name tanya tanya leone was there um leon um the, just the gamut that she was able to cover and just the amount of like um work and thought that went into something right. like this the philadelphia orchestra was there like you have everything from hip-hop artists to a freaking the philadelphia orchestra mm-hmm. in this in this thing always like in this festival coming together to celebrate african-american culture like this blew my mind and i wish like, I, like something like this would happen again okay classically black right festival like one day um, right um, and that, and I just felt like it really spoke to me because that's also something that we're trying to do mm-hmm. with like bringing other art forms and relating them to classical music because right. they're not that far fetched at all. Like, and the fact that um, she also had a lot of panel discussions that not only like you're talking about like literature and you're talking about other art forms outside of music, but you're also creating a space for black people to come together and exchange ideas um and and learn from each other Mm -hmm. so that you're not like yes it's great to have a festival and things to go to but you're also like you're leaving with something like you i mean even just if it was just performance and stuff you're like your heart is already gonna be full right but you're also leaving there your heart is full your brain is full like listen this was amazing oh also the harlem corset was there oh like, of course they were right, right like who didn't you think of like <laughs> exactly like who wasn't there was no stone left unturned exactly what, like, what, what year was this 2009 oh we gotta recreate this like we, we have to period it was like i just just going to something like this and it seems like this is something that every black person that's in a field that where they're not represented needs to go yeah. to yeah like so that you can like because stuff like sphinx and stuff that's that's great but then you can like reach over the table to a different art form right. you don't know what type of what type of uh creations and art has come from mm-hmm. things that happened at this festival mm-hmm. like like this what an amazing legacy like right i Aww. i'm gonna link they thank god they have the page still up because i know a lot of things once they happen they like take down the page especially like 
it's 10 years yeah but the page like listing everything that happened all the events all that is still up so i'm gonna link that so people can like comb through it because even all the people that i mentioned that were there like that's literally like a quarter of all the people that were that were there Mm -hmm. you know so well thank you miss norman for your your light and your talent and we are moving on to black excellence where we hype you up gas you up and give you your props because there's room for everyone at the top this week i'm talking about jasmine barnes jasmine barnes is a young composer from baltimore maryland i was gonna say something else baltimore i don't know where that is baltic (laughs) city she got her bachelor's in music and master's in composition from morgan state university she's also the first person to get her degree in composition from morgan state wow she studied a uh, composition with Dr. James Lee III. That might be a familiar name to some. Um, she In 2017, she was artist at the Glimmerglass Festival where her arrangement of Wade in the Water was performed. Um, her piece, The Mind, was commissioned by the Baltimore Chamber Orchestra of the Year. It's not clear on that. Um, she made her, her debut composition performance was in 2018 with her piece, Reality, Race, and Religion. Um, that was performed by at Baltimore State University. No, it wasn't. It was performed at Morgan State University. Um, she worked closely with the Morgan State University Choir and has had her pieces performed globally. Um, most recently, her piece, um, her song cycles, Songs for the African Violet, was commissioned by Carl Alexander and the Voice Project. So shout out to you, Jasmine. We need black composers. Right. We need to stay on their nexus. So keep writing. Right, maybe in another 136 years. I won't get off their neck over that. And you shouldn't. <laughs> right. So. But stay on their necks, girl. Keep your foot on their necks. Keep writing. Keep inspiring. Um, and congratulations to you and all your accomplishments. Right. Got a piece of the week. So my piece this week, I don't know if this has ever been a piece of the week before, but if it has, it is again. Right, period. Um, <laughs> it's Vinyowski's Polonaise de Concert, Opus 4. I don't think so. I don't know that piece. It's for violin and piano. I'm going to link Bomb Sorry Kim's recording. Um, it's just, it's a fun piece. It's, mm. it, it's short. It's like five minutes long, but like it's high energy and it has a beautiful little part in the middle mm-hmm. where it gets all slow, but like it's just a fun piece. It's, it looks so fun to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, you playing the viola version? I'm good. I don't know if there is one. I'm sure you can find one. Yeah. Um, okay, you doing it for the show? <laughs> Could you imagine me opening my case on the mic? Okay. <laughs> We still waiting for somebody DM'd us or, or asked me something on Twitter like so when we getting Katie's recital videos? So I was like, that's a good question. <laughs> Sister. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll link the recording. Thank you so much for listening to Classically Black Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, intermission suggestion, or a black excellence suggestion. Email them to us at classicallyblackpodcast at gmail.com and we will talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. Goodbye.